This week on the mic drop, the showcase of the immortals returns to Dallas Fort Worth this weekend with WrestleMania 38 at AT&T Stadium. On the business side, that means $200 million in economic impact for our region. But WrestleMania is all about fun and incredible storylines. We break it all down with two experts, David Shoemaker of The Ringer, who believes headliner Roman Reigns may be the best heel in WWE history. And Joey Hayden of the Dallas Morning News, who makes the case for falling in love with WWE. But first, we talk with new Dallas Cup Executive Director Peter Davis. We learn about this year's tournament and his big plans to transform what has been among the world's most prestigious international youth soccer tournaments into a 365-day-a-year sports property. So let's drop the mic and let's go. Welcome to the Mic Drop, everybody, the official podcast of the Dallas Sports Commission. Kevin Sullivan here, joined by Sports Commission Executive Director Monica Paul. Also with us, as always, Next Level Marcus Carr. Thanks for listening and following. It's episode 56. And as much as I would like to talk about infamous Cowboys linebacker who wore number 56, Hollywood Henderson, this week we have to honor Sergei Zubov, number 56 of the Dallas Stars for 12 of his 16 NHL seasons, of course, including the Dallas Stars 1999 Stanley Cup championship team. He played in three All-Star games with the Stars. He he uh, won an Olympic gold medal for the Unified team back in 1992, was inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame in 2019. The Stars reti- retired Zuboff's number 56 in January so when you throw in credentials like the Hockey Hall of Fame in a retired jersey or sweater, in this case, we are going with Sergey Zubov, number 56 of the Dallas Stars for episode 56 of the Mic Drop. Monica, I, don't, I know that this is, this is the week of WrestleMania 38, the showcase of the Immortals, two nights, April 1st and 2nd at AT&T Stadium, the most stupendous WrestleMania ever. How's your heart rate? How's your temperature? Uh, what's happening at the sports commission? Well, Sally, we're going at a little faster pace than normal, but uh, we, we typically go at a fast pace anyway. But this week, um, uh, a lot of community events already taken place and taking shape, which uh, all have been uh, fantastic, maybe minus a little cold front that came in uh, uh, earlier in the week um, last night. Um, but really, uh, a lot of excitement, a lot of buzz around town. Um, uh, if, if you're in the Dallas area, surely you've seen uh, either dart buses or signage. And uh, the superstars are all here taking, uh, taking part in, in various events. Uh, we, I think I just heard that we had a sold-out uh, Hall of Fame and um, SmackDown going to take place on Friday. So uh, those listeners on Friday, uh, your, your next option may be NXT or WrestleMania tickets if you want to get out and, and enjoy some WWE or Raw on Monday. So just, uh, you know, <laughs> with everything that's kind of gone on over the last two two years and, uh, you know, not had been have hosted a major mega event in a while, uh, this is very exciting. And I really need to give a big shout-out to the um, – 
DART, Trinity Rail Express, North Central Texas Council of Governments, uh, really stepping up, partnering with us to provide uh, transportation out to the stadium. So those who uh, have tickets uh, out to WrestleMania can take the DART over to Centerport Station uh, just south of DFW or the TRE. Um, and then uh, we'll, we're providing busing uh, down to the stadium so people can take part in that. So um, so just want a big shout out and, and a big thank you to all of those transit organizations that have worked with us on this. So, uh, and, and in addition, uh, Sully, it's uh, a busy week for me from a travel standpoint because not only are we hosting WrestleMania, but we're bidding on the NCAA men's final four and women's final four. So I'm going to make a quick trip out to Minneapolis since uh, we're hosting women's final four next year and, and bidding on it in future years. Uh, and then I'll come back to enjoy WrestleMania on Saturday and Sunday and then over to uh, New Orleans for the men's final four. So uh, a lot of excitement and uh, I'll I'm very excited to head over to Minneapolis to see the women play. Yes, I was a little uh, heartbroken that my Longhorns lost to Stanford, but uh, I, I'm just putting it uh, that the Longhorns are just saving their Final Four trip for, for next year when it's here in Dallas. So looking forward to that. And then, uh, you know, next week we'll have Lone Star Classic uh, Volleyball, one of the largest national qualifiers in the country, uh, take over our convention center and join uh, the volleyball spirit here in the – DFW area and, and athletes unlimited volleyball still in town. So a lot of events from a sports standpoint, uh, taking place, but, uh, before we get over and, and, and kind of move over to Peter Davis, I wanted to give a big shout out to our, uh, USA men's national team in qualifying for Qatar for the world cup. Uh, that was, uh, they qualified, uh, last night and, uh, even though they didn't win the match, um, still able to qualify. So, uh, that is fantastic, uh, cause it has been a little bit of a dry spell, uh, and going into hopefully what we're going to have is a, a positive result in, uh, communication about our hosting in 2026. It's just, I think sets them up on a, on a good stage. Yeah, your comments about the the way public transportation has been, has been, uh, adjusted and amped up to accommodate, uh, two huge crowds for WrestleMania this weekend is just another example of the way the sports commission works across the region with all the authorities and uh, official, you know, government uh, bodies to, to make things smoother uh, for the fan experience. So that, that was, that was interesting to hear all that. Where, where does WrestleMania stand from an economic impact standpoint? It's gotta be one of the, the bigger events that comes to town. Yeah, Sally. Well, with the two night WrestleMania, it, um, you know, we're anticipating over $200 million in economic impact for the region, which that's, that's pretty significant uh, when you think about that. That's up there with, uh, you know, uh, we consider WrestleMania in line with uh, NCAA Men's Final Four, uh, Women's Final Four, NBA All-Star Game, uh, you know, that, that type of uh, event. Uh, so major economic impact. And um, I, I know that there there's a lot of fans that on a yearly basis uh, attend WrestleMania. So uh, even international, while I think maybe if the inter, our international guests may be a little bit down due to circumstances this year. But um, I, I definitely think that our, our hotels, restaurants, and uh, attractions and museums and cultural uh, facilities are going to enjoy some additional revenue and, and visitors this weekend. Well, good deal. You mentioned your Longhorns uh, falling to Stanford and the women's uh, March Madness side of things. I can't discuss uh, my Boilermakers falling to uh, St. Peter's yet. It is just too soon now. When it happened, I just said, you know, we should have just lost to Monica's Longhorns and she would have been happy and 
And I would have uh, saved just a, another week of uh, anxiety. Well, Sully. Uh, so, I, but I, I have to at least mention it. I did notice that. I did text you uh, just to make sure you were still, uh, you know, alive and breathing that night, uh, just to say, oh, ouch, that that had to hurt. But uh, yeah, yep, tough loss. Just when I think I'm over it, I, uh, somebody brings it up and I, I plunged back into utter despair once again. And uh, real quickly, this week, uh, earlier this week, I was on an unofficial mic drop assignment in Surprise, Arizona. Spent a day at the Rangers camp and, uh, and, and saw some friends at the mic drop there, including Kevin Sherrington from the Morning News, uh, who, who was on the scene. Uh, I got to tell you, it is a loose bunch. We know they've added a lot of talent. Uh, this is a team that is having a lot of fun playing together. So look forward to that. And I know we'll be discussing uh, the, the uh, Rangers uh, season on uh, upcoming editions of the mic drop. So uh, looking forward to that. And now back in a moment to talk Dallas Cup soccer with Peter Davis. First, over to Rachel with a word from one of our sponsors. Dallas is known for its big wins when it comes to sporting events, whether it be Final Fours, Winter Classics, Pro Drafts, or even international soccer matches. <clears throat> Dallas sets the standard, and now it's time for our biggest win yet. We want the 2026 World Cup. The Dallas Sports Commission is working hard to bring the World Cup back to our great city, and we need your help. Head over to DallasWorldCup2026.com to sign the pledge to bring it back. Be sure to follow us on all social media at World Cup Dallas to stay up to date on all things 2026 World Cup. Thanks, Rachel. And now we're pleased to welcome to the mic drop Peter Davis. He was named executive director of the Dallas Cup in November, succeeding Andy Swift, who we've had on the show before, friend of the pod, as we say. Uh, Peter previously worked major sports licensing deals at the agency BDA. He worked 10 years at the NCAA as director of corporate alliances early in his career. Uh, this is a guy who knows how to make deals. So I look forward to talking, talking about him with all kinds of new things happening at Dallas Cup. Of course, the oldest and most prestigious international youth soccer tournament in the United States. Averages more than 100,000 spectators during tournament week. Uh, since its inception in 1980, Dallas Cup has hosted teams and referees from 47 states, six continents, and more than 100 countries. This year's edition runs April 9 through 17. Go to DallasCup.org for tickets and more information. Uh, Peter, uh, welcome to the uh, mic drop, and maybe we got to start with what are the three missing states that haven't uh, sent a team or a referee uh, since 1980 to the uh, to the Dallas Cup? But oh, that's, Dallas, that's a really good question. In fact, uh, as you mentioned, I just joined in November, and that was one of the questions I asked during the interview process: because what, what's wrong with the two states that haven't been to the Dallas Cup? How do we figure that out? So um, it was interesting. Everybody knew that it was 48, but nobody could really figure out who those other two were. So we've done some research and we're pretty sure um, that it is, New Hampshire is one. Uh, and the other, um, I think, is Montana, I want to say. Um, so my brother lives in New Hampshire. So he now has a, and he's got five children. So he has a charge that one of those five needs to become some sort of soccer prodigy so they can develop a team and get down here to Dallas Cup. 
Well, well, Peter, great to see you again. Uh, our paths have crossed a lot uh, here over the last two weeks. And I don't um, think that's going to change anytime soon. No, I don't think so. And I have to say that the Dallas Cup is, you know, Sully did say it's most pre- prestigious international, international youth soccer tournament in the United States. And I would argue that it's probably the most pre- one of the most prestigious uh, youth tournaments that we host here, not just soccer, but uh, on overall sports, just the, the impact that it has on our community. So I I do thank you and your board and your team for everything that you do. Um, you know, Peter, you have some pretty big shoes to fill. And, uh, you know, not <laughs> only Gordon Jago and uh, Andy Swift, uh, but uh, what drew you to this role? Well, I got to tell you first that the, the support I'm getting from from Gordon and Andy are, are great because Gordon was in the office yesterday. We were talking about what's coming and, and how he can help. And uh, and for those that don't know Gordon, um Premier League coach, Premier League player, Dallas sidekicks. He's he's soccer royalty, and uh, and I, I don't know if it's appropriate to say his age, but I will anyways. Gordon is 89 years old now, and he is pushing Dallas Cup just as well as he ever has. He loves the property. He loves being involved. So it's great to have him supporting me, and uh, and and Andy for that matter too. Now, of course, Andy's got. Uh, with his work at the ticket, he's got much better microphone than I do. So I'm jealous of everybody's everybody's audio equipment versus, versus my my uh, my earbuds here. But they seem to work just fine. Uh, but I think you asked what drew me Dallas Cup, and um, I tell you. So my family and I have been here in Dallas for just about four years now, um, and this was this was my wife's move to Dallas. So uh, we've moved a couple times and, and since being married in 2000. I got the first couple moves and she's gotten the last couple moves. She also works in sports. Um, so uh, sometimes that requires a change, change of venue. And this time it did. She Learfield brought her down to join her team in the kind of the college space. So she got into the college space. She'd been more in the pro sports. Um, but I was continuing my business, which has been consulting for the last number of years uh, in the sports and entertainment industry. Um, but I think we all know two years ago, what happened to the sports and entertainment industry, and certainly what happened to consultants in the sports and entertainment industry. So I had a little bit of time for the first time in a while to really step back, sit back and say, okay, when, when we get through this, thinking that it was going to be, you know, two or three months later, um, when we get through this, what do I want to do? Really, what, what are my opportunities? And, uh, and, and, and I, I really, I love working for myself. That's, that's great. But I really miss the interaction on a day-to-day basis with a team, with, with, uh, with partners. And, and I also realized I like working for somebody else too. So what does that opportunity look like? And, and when things did return to normal, um, I started to look for a, a fit that really checked the number of boxes, which I had, you know, I wanted to still be able to teach in the uh, sports management program at SMU um, I prefer to stay fairly close to home. Um, I do really enjoy the sports space. I've always said I work in sports and entertainment and I have had very direct entertainment, not sports experiences, but sports is something I really wanted to return to full time. Um, and then there were some like very minor boxes as I started to learn about the Dallas cup opportunity and, and that being soccer, that was my favorite sport growing up. Uh, my, my son who's 11 is really getting into the, the club side of soccer now and has decided he wants that to be his sport from no, no pressure from dad, but, but he has said that, you know, he wants that to be his sport. 
Um, and there, there were just so many things that were, were working together to say, hey, Peter, maybe this is an opportunity for you. And, uh, and then when I got into really specifically looking at Dallas Cup, uh, Monica, just the fact that the girls division was launched last year, um, the, the opportunity to work with student athletes again and just be involved in big, big events, uh, just a, a great opportunity for me. And the more I look at it, there's so much growth opportunity and, and potential for us. We have been an incredible tournament for 43 years. And I think we have the opportunity to start to turn that, not just a tournament, but be more of a sports property. And we can talk to people. I want to talk to people more year round rather than just waiting for the, 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 the week before Easter to really raise the Dallas cup flag. I think there's a lot of opportunity. So a lot of those pieces got put together and, and it really, it's worked out very well. Well, you kind of hit on my next question a little bit, but I may dig a little bit further. But, um, you know, Dallas Cup is already the pre- pre- uh, preeminent international youth soccer tournament. Uh, you know, when when a new person comes into our organization, sometimes it's easier if, you know, the organization isn't doing well and it's, uh, you got, you know, easier to, to build upon that. But uh we know the status of, of of the Dallas Cup, so expand maybe a little bit, Peter, on on your goals and where do you plan to kind of take it from here? Yeah, well, I'd love to. Uh, you know, when, when you talk about the the prestige and, and what Dallas Cup is, we've been here so long. All true, but in talking to Gordon, uh, you know, he's told me that Peter, if you wear a Dallas Cup shirt into, and I, I'll use his term, any proper pub in Britain. Um, if you wear a Dallas Cup shirt, you will start a conversation with that shirt because they know the tournament. So it's interesting to me, and, and I've I've talked to others as well. I think we're probably better known on the other side of the pond in Europe than we are right here in Dallas in our own backyard. And and that has a lot to do with so much going on here in Dallas, particularly in sports. Um, thanks to the good work uh, that, that you all put forward. Um, but I think raising the profile here in Dallas um, is, is something that we're very interested in doing. Um, but first and foremost, we've got to put the pandemic behind us, both figuratively and financially. You know, the last two years have been uh, an incredible burden to Dallas Cup. We are a nonprofit. So uh, luckily we had you know, that rainy day fund. I don't think anybody anticipated the rainy day lasting two years. But uh, for that reason, we've got some financial pieces of the puzzle that we need to put together. Um, and then you know, the pandemic was problematic for us even this year because we didn't know until about three or four weeks ago, I think it was maybe even St. Patrick's Day, so not even that long ago, we didn't know for sure whether we were going to be allowed to have international competitors at our tournament this year. So we had 45 or 50 or I guess 40 or 45 teams that said, yes, we want to come play in the Dallas Cup and coming in from different different countries. Um, and we said, great, that's great. But we really couldn't tell them 100% for sure, we can have you here. So um, so this year looks a little bit different than it has in the past. But as I said, we've got 40 or 45 international programs that are coming to play. Typically, we're closer to 70. Um, but I think given what we're up against, we're thrilled to have those that we are, the quality and the, and the breadth of, of who's coming in. Um, but so far as other Dallas Cup goals are concerned, um, growing the girls division. That's that's a huge piece of the puzzle. Uh, we have partners that are are investing in us because they want to do that with us. Mary Kay uh, is the presenter of, it's a Dallas Cup girls invitation presented by Mary Kay. They are wonderful to work with and they have obviously a, a great interest in growing it. 
Um, we've been smaller. We started at 32 teams last year. We're growing a little bit more this year. But the goal is to get this to a point where it is just as as viable and just as bright as the boys tournament is. Um, you know, we, we, we need to grow that. We need to, we need to get that up there. So growing the girls division is a big piece of the puzzle. Um, and to do that, that's going to be continuing to grow our partnerships, both endemic and non-endemic. So we need, we need some of those that are actively involved and traditionally involved in, in the, in the soccer space being the endemic folks. And then we need folks that just want to get behind Dallas and what's going on here and amazing events. Um, and, and it may be, we're introducing new technologies this year to Dallas Cup. So I'm really keenly interested in, in exploring how can Dallas Cup become a technology hub in the world of soccer. We may be a, a, a test field or we may be a proving field or we may be working with just great technology otherwise, but that that is something that we can do. Um, so it feels like it's a non-endemic space technology, but at the same time, technology is activating inside of sports all the time. So Developing global partnerships, I think, is really important for us. Um, and we've taken a couple of great strides on on that just in the last in the last few months since I've arrived. Um, a couple other things we got we got to stay ahead of our competitors. When we started forty three years ago, it was very unusual to have international youth competition, um, and so we were one of the only games in the book, and we were able to build ourselves as the best in the business. Um, but over time. We've actually helped others, and I won't name them, but we've helped others learn how to put on international tournaments. And we're finding that now uh, they're they're using they're using our own uh, secret recipe against us. You know, trying to take our referees, trying to take our teams, and uh, and and we're still winning because we are Dallas Cup and we're doing great things. Um, but it's become a much bigger challenge to get the premier teams from around the world to come. And candidly, when you come to Dallas Cup, you pay your own way because of the prestige, because of the opportunity. And there are a lot of tournaments out there that are going overseas now and paying teams to come. So we've got to figure that out. Um, we need to improve our social media presence. As I said, I want to be 365 days a year. And that's not just for this audience. That's for that's for the audience. That's for the, the players. I want the 12 and 13 and 14 year olds to to be involved. I want them to know who Dallas Cup is. We're actually in a few books. We're in a children's book. And so some people around the world do know us at a younger age, but I want to make sure that that continues to grow. Um, I want to know our constituents better. I want to know our fans. I want to know our volunteers. I want to know the teams. What are they seeing out there at other tournaments that they love or they dislike? What can we introduce into our tournament to create a better fan experience. As I said, we're really good at putting on a tournament, but how do we create that fan experience that makes not only the parents of the players want to show up, but fans in Dallas and, and from outside come in to, to take part into this, uh, this great tournament. Um, so that's about, you know, athlete experience, fan experience, partnership value. Those are all things that we're looking at. And uh, it, it, I, I mentioned to a, a teammate last week that I've been waking up on weekends at like 5am with Dallas cup in my head and, I'm not used. I'm not accustomed to 5 a.m. on weekends. Um, but I said the weird part is when I'm waking up and thinking about uh, things at 5 a.m. on on a Saturday. I'm thinking about 2023 and 24. It's not 2022 that I'm thinking about. Now, one of my teammates mentioned, Peter, you might want to start worrying about 2022. It's only you know it's only two weeks away. But um, but really, I think there's so much opportunity in front of us even beyond uh, April 17th, which is our, our our final championship day this year. So so Peter, uh, you mentioned the 45 uh, international teams that you have coming 
uh, all of them, you know, there's big names that have played in the Dallas Cup. A lot of uh, yeah. a lot of players have gone on uh, that played in the Dallas Cup to play in the World Cup. Uh, there's there's long track record there. Uh, what stands out about this year's field uh, of of those teams? We got some great teams coming in this year. So, um, so folks that are listening know and understand. We start at the uh, at the uh, under twelve level. Uh, for the boys' side, and that goes all the way to 19 and under players. Um, and then at the 19 and under, we also have what we call the super group, and those are the elite of the elite. Uh, the super group this year, we've got six uh, six tournament players coming in for for the super group. It's called the Gordon uh, Gordon Jago Super Group, so named after Gordon that we talked about a little bit earlier. Um, and this year, for the first time since. 2011 or 2010 or 11, we have two national teams that are coming. So we have the 19 and under national team coming from El Salvador and the 19 and under national team coming from Panama, uh, both that are working, working hard. I think we're going to see some players that are, that are working hard with their national teams at CONCACAF qualifying this week. So those teams are coming in out of Liga MX in Mexico. We've got traditional powerhouses, uh, Tigres and Monterrey. Uh, Tigres is a two-time defending champion. They won in 2018 and 2019, this age to it or the, the super group. So we're super excited to get them back. Um, and we've got a new team coming this year in the super group from Denmark. Uh, it is HB Kogi. Uh, it's K-O-G-E. And, and the O looks like the, the, the O with a, 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 like a zero, right? With a slash through it. I need to figure out exactly what that, that letter is called. Um, and I need to get better at typing the code into my computer to make it come up when I when I when I type the uh, the name of the team. But we're super excited to get them involved. Outside of that, um, we've got Everton College and Stephen Gerrard College coming out of England. Um, but I think we've, we've got 14 countries that are going to be represented this year. So that's amazing, given what we're coming out of right now. Um, we have teams from from Haiti, from Ireland. South Africa, England, I already mentioned, uh, South Korea, Greece, and others. It's just, it's a really, really diverse platform that we're bringing in. Um, and not to, not to forget our own country here. Typically, yeah. we're about 40% international teams, 40% U.S. teams, and then the other 20 from, from Texas and North Tech, North Dallas kind of area. Um, but uh, So it'll be a little bit skewed this, this year, not quite as many international, but California and Florida are always well represented. Um, but we've also got states like Minnesota and Maryland, and we've got, we've got the competitors from Hawaii coming this year as well. So uh, part of the U.S., but I don't know if you've been to Hawaii. I have, and it didn't feel like I was in the U.S., so I'm just going to count them as a, sub, a, a, a sub-international team for us. Peter, the uh, tickets on sale for the opening ceremonies and the opening day triple header at the Cotton Bowl uh, over at DallasCup.org. Give, give our listeners an idea of what what that's going to be like, what they can expect uh, with those events. Well, pretty exciting because this year at, <clears throat> uh, at at Cotton Bowl, we're at Cotton Bowl Stadium on the 10th of April, as you mentioned, and um, we, we're we're sending out today a big invitation to the Dallas Independent School District, all the students and faculty and staff. They're getting a great offer from us today. It's it's better than an offer. It's an opportunity, we'll call it. So they'll be getting emails today. But we will have the U.S. Men's National Deaf Soccer Team. They're in town training right now uh, for the Deaf Olympics that are upcoming in Brazil uh, in late April and early May. So we will have, I guess they're not in town yet. The captain lives here in Dallas, so that's good. But they will have their training camp here in Dallas. 
So on uh, the morning of the 10th at 10 a.m., uh, the U.S. men's national deaf team is going to play a friendly match on Cotton Bowl Stadium Field. And then we'll follow that up with, um, with Eintracht Frankfurt, uh, the 17 and under girls division team. They'll be playing at, a, at a 17 under girls FC Dallas. That'll be the first time we've had a girls match at Cotton Bowl Stadium for, uh, for Dallas Cups. So we're pretty excited about that. And then we've got two super group uh, matches coming up after that. Tigres is playing FC Dallas. And uh, Monterey later will play El Salvador um, that, that evening. And in between those two games, we've got what has become tradition. It's the parade of nations, the parade of athletes, the parade of competitors that will bring everybody in and put them on the field so you can see just the diversity that this this tournament brings to Dallas. Uh, just right there in one one great picture. It's kind of Olympic-esque, but it's a really good experience for, for fans and players alike. Big sponsors. You mentioned Mary Kay, AT&T, and Coca-Cola also uh, yeah. in the mix. Tell us about the new deal you just signed with Puma. How did that uh, come about? Yeah, we were able to finally announce it this week. We've been working on it. In fact, we, we've been getting boxes of boxes and boxes of, of, of soccer balls. So we've had uh, we've had longstanding conversations, certainly predating me, um, with with Puma and, and other manufacturers. And it just so happened they were so interested in what we're doing with the girls' side of things that they wanted to be involved with Dallas Cup and how can we help grow that. And that's not to say any other manufacturers aren't excited about the girls, but really the excitement in their voices and the opportunity um, to get them involved. So we're, we're thrilled to have them on board to be our official ball and apparel for the next couple of years. It's going to be, a, it's going to be a great relationship. Um, as I said, we just announced it. So we've got a lot of work to do, but again, that we 23 is going to be even better than 22, but 22 is off to a great start. What else is, what else is new and, and uh, happening at uh, Dallas cup? There are a couple really cool things. So we've, we've always broadcast, but our championship weekend will be on ESPN Plus. So we're excited about that. Uh, we have a new partner called GG8. They're right here in Frisco, Texas, and they do player data tracking through artificial intelligence. So we've got a camera up watching the, uh, the match and it, it tracks the numbers of the players and it gives great data. Typically, we're seeing that used in the professional ranks right now. Uh, but what GG8 has done is they've developed an algorithm that's going to spit out information for the youth players that's a little more, um, it, it's not dumbed down. I don't want to say that, but it's it's a little more user-friendly for kind of the, the youth audience, both recruiters, uh, uh, coaches, and the players themselves. It kind of spits out like a, uh, a an EA Sports, like, like FIFA 22, a player rating. It spits that out. And uh, as I said, I've got an 11 year old at home and he's like, dad, how do I get on that? I, you know, I want, I want my player rating. And, and I kind of warned him. I said, I'm, I'm not sure how, how high your player rating would be, but you know, maybe that's something we can work on over time. So GGA is going to be involved. CONCACAF, the referees, they're bringing up uh, the video assistant referee, the VAR. So we're going to have VAR at matches this year. Um, so they're going to be training and certifying uh, referees from CONCACAF to use VAR. So that's great news. Um, and then, you know, then we're, we're also going to make sure as part of our welcome world reception and, and the parade um, is we're, we're taking a moment to consider what's going on globally and really paying attention to and hopefully raise some funds for children in Ukraine and what's going on over there. So um, obviously a very important piece of the puzzle. It makes me feel very small with it that we're playing a soccer match. But uh, but we want to use what we're doing to make sure that we're paying attention to to needs elsewhere. As you know, Monica and her team at the Sports Commission have worked countless hours, long and hard, to to bring put Dallas 
uh, in position to have the 2026 World Cup uh, yeah. select our region. How important to FIFA do you think the the incredible uh, heritage that we have in youth soccer, how, how important do you think that is in terms of Dallas chances as we await the news uh, from FIFA about our status for the 2026 World Cup? Well, you know, one of the one of the biggest, largest youth tournaments in the world is called Gotham. And I'm glad ours isn't called Gotham. It's called Dallas Cup. They know and they understand when it's talked about around the world that Dallas is an important city. Um, and, and there's no doubt that they know the name Dallas Cup. So uh, I hope that that really provides a level of, of confidence um, that if, if we can trust the world's youth here in Dallas, then let's bring the adults along as well. Um, I, but I, I do think it matters. I think the more that we can bring out to our matches on uh, the Cotton Bowl on, on the 10th and then out at Toyota Stadium on the 15th through 17th of this month, I think those are pictures that we and video that we want to share with FIFA to say, look, this is this is a youth tournament and we've got 15,000 plus people. Maybe we've got we've had up to 20,000 people in the past and we're, we're, we have no idea what's going to happen this year. But we're hoping to exceed 20,000 people to come watch youth play soccer. Imagine when you put the best of the best in here, what that soccer fever is going to look like and how positive that's going to be for FIFA. So we're really excited to see. Um, to, to for 2026 to come. And mind you, we might be looking at some players this year in Dallas Cup that come back in four years and get to play in the World Cup in the same city. Now that would be would be cool. Well, Peter, thanks so much for your time today. Wishing you all the best of success in your, in your first uh, Dallas Cup as the, as the big cheese. Uh, but I know it'll be another great, great installment. April 9th through 17, everybody in Mike Drop uh, Nation or region, go to... Uh, uh, DallasCup.org for more information. Back uh, in a moment with David Shoemaker of The Ringer to talk about WrestleMania 38. But first, over to Rachel with a word from one of our sponsors. The Perot Museum of Nature and Science plays a vital role in preparing the most talented and diverse STEM workforce of tomorrow right here in Dallas. Become a member today and enjoy free admission and other valuable benefits to support this nonprofit landmark. Visit perotmuseum.org for more information. Thanks, Rachel. And now what a thrill to be joined during WrestleMania 38 week by David Shoemaker, wrestling pro wrestling expert of the of the ringer. Now, Monica, this is like having Adam Schefter come on Super Bowl week or <laughs> or having Cameron Crowe come on the week of, uh, you know, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductions or something. Uh, David is the host, of course, of the Masked Man podcast. And it's got a new one dropping this week on Spotify, The Book of Wrestling, 25 Catchphrases That Define the Attitude Era. Now, David wrote an actual book back in 2013 called The Squared Circle, which many believe is the definitive book on pro wrestling. David, thanks for joining us here on the mic drop. Thank you so much for having me, man. This is a great, great honor. Well, lots of buzz, of course, heading into WrestleMania 38 here out at uh, AT&T Stadium. Uh, we've got a headlining match on Sunday night, you know, kind of villain on villain, I guess you would say, uh, with with Brock Lesnar and R Roman Reigns. But size up that match for us. And where do you think Roman Reigns now stands in the pantheon of WWE heels? Oh, wow. That second question is a is a little bit of a mind bender. So uh, to answer the first one, uh, you know, coming into this WrestleMania, 
we, we knew that they were going to try to fill up Dallas Cowboy, you know, the, the, the Dallas stadium for two nights in a row before we knew what any of the matches that they had involved. And so, you know, it's, a, I think it was sort of a journey to figure out what the biggest thing they could possibly do to get people out there would be. I mean, that's, that's kind of the, the philosophy, I mean, the, the philosophy behind putting together any big card. Um, but this isn't, you know, we, we got some legends coming back, but we don't have a big, you know, the undertaker is not coming back out of retirement. You know, there's, there's, there's some rumors about Steve Austin. We don't know exactly what he's going to be doing. The biggest two names that WWE has on their roster by far are Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. And so to put them in the ring together again was kind of a no brainer, but they've done this before. And to see, you know, to, to, to sort of give it new life, I guess, to make that, to, to raise the stakes, to make it something that people have to go see. They're making it title versus title, champion versus champion, and the sort of, you know, uh, clash of the titans thing that that you know we haven't seen in quite some time in WWE. So you know the stakes are really high, and I think it'll be really interesting to see where they go with this. I think conventional wisdom is that you know Roman Reigns is there week in and week out, and he would be you know he's the face of the company and he's the the way they'll go. But you know this wouldn't be the first time that they put the big, they put all the titles on Brock Lesnar in a shocking fashion because he's just Brock Lesnar. So it's interesting Uh, to answer your second question. I mean, Roman Reigns right now is operating at a level that very few wrestlers ever get to that very few human beings ever get to in their, you know, just in their line of work. Um, He is just the most compelling and interesting, you know, heel bad guy that, that, that pro wrestling has seen in quite some time. And, you know, it's, it's, it's just, I mean, it's a pleasure, you know, it's exciting to watch him week in and week out, which is not always what you say about pro wrestling. Some of the best stuff just kind of gets repeated and, and, and done, done to death. Roman Reigns is somehow just like, so electric, so exciting, interesting to watch that he's just been, he's been absolutely at the top of WWE deservedly. So for a year, at least. Well, and it's taken uh, it's been a long journey with with Reigns in his relationship with uh, WWE Universe the fans. <laughs> if he wins, uh, does he does he get booed? He's whew, it's interesting. I think just about every WWE fan uh, over a certain age is sort of a, a fan of Roman Reigns and on a sort of objective level, right? I mean, even if you boo him, you're 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 booing him on some level out of respect because he's playing a bad guy. Um, but I think, but you know, he is, he, he went from a spot of being perceived as being, you know, too much too soon that he's sort of being shoved down the fans throats by WWE. And he, that's where he started and, and, and got a lot of booze for that. Not his fault, obviously, but he, you know, that he was out there to get booed. Um, and now he's at a spot where he's just undeniably the, one of the best in the game. And, you know, I think fans really appreciate that. Will he get booed? No, I think he'll probably, I think he will get booed if he wins because even the fans, like I said, that love him will boo him out of respect. He's playing the bad guy here. Brock Lesnar has somehow transformed himself into one of the most just, just lovable good guys in the entire business. Um, and I, I think that he'll have the fans on his side. So if, you know, if, if Reigns wins, they will be boos, but it doesn't mean it's a bad thing. I didn't see that coming with Lesnar. We even saw him on the mic uh, at Monday Night Raw earlier this week. You, you and Kaz on The Masked Man talk a lot about wrestling logic. And I think Kaz <laughs> used, to, used to work there, right? So Yeah, he was a writer and, there for a while. So as, as, the, as the, the WWE creative team is figuring out how to roll all this out, uh, talk a little bit about what you mean by wrestling logic and how they make storyline decisions. Pull the curtain back a, a little bit if you can. 
Well, you know, we, we were a bunch of wrestling nerds who just like love to talk about this stuff uh, at great lengths. And so, you know, when you're when you're complaining about something, you're like, well, I don't understand why they had that guy come out and do that. I don't know why they're setting up the match this way. And then you but then you say you take a, you can take a step back and say, well, in wrestling logic, it makes sense, because if, if there's, you know, in kayfabe, as we say, you know, if this thing were real, I can understand why this guy would go do this. But then. If the wrestling logic doesn't hold up, then you have something to complain about. So, you know, there's a, there's a long history of wrestling logic that doesn't even, you know, it sounds almost ridiculous to talk about. But you can say, you know, in wrestling logic, you know, you can I mean, we, we talk about number one contenders in other sports. It's like but in wrestling logic, all you have to do is go get a microphone and call somebody an idiot and then you get a match with them. Right. Like so wrestlers theoretically should know this after decades of it happening um so yeah that's you know it's 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 a it's a sort of very deep cut sort of conversation but we you know we get into the weeds a lot on the women's side at least until cora jade makes the jump to the main roster from nxt i am uh devoted to charlotte uh so i'm pulling for her in the big match against ronda rousey but what do you see the, the kind of the state of the women's division right now pretty strong it's been strong for for a while what are you what are you looking for uh this weekend at WrestleMania 38 on the women's side. Well, I mean, incredibly strong. I think there've been, you know, a little bit of fits and starts in the overall booking. What we're seeing the match I'm looking forward to the most is is uh Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair. Um, you know, Becky took the title off of Bianca Belair when when Lynch made her big return at SummerSlam and I thought that was a sort of misbegotten moment, but she she was Becky Lynch had been the biggest uh, the biggest good guy, you know, female wrestler or just wrestler full stop that WWE had seen in a long time when she took some time off to have a kid. And when she came back instead of sort of milking that that uh, you know, good spirit, she turned heel right away, beat Bianca Belair, and it was all sort of you know, it was very, it was very hard to sort of process what was going on in real time. That said, it's finally paying off now. Night one of WrestleMania, um, whether or not it's the main event, main event, I think is still up in the air. But um, it's going to be a huge match, and 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 those two are just, uh, I mean, Belair and Lynch both for very different reasons. They're just two of the most iconic stars that WWE has created in quite some time. Um, Charlotte versus Ronda Rousey, obviously because of. Charlotte's stature, but particularly because of Ronda Rousey's sort of mainstream stardom is a huge, huge match. Uh, that And that'll be a, a really, you know, significant one too, to sort of chart the future of WWE. We don't know how long Ronda Rousey is going to be around or how frequently she'll be around. So, you know, that'll tell us a lot about that. And then, uh, but then overall, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's an incredibly, incredibly vital part of WWE, both in terms of, it, you know, vital in the, in the sense that it needs to be really successful, but also vital in the, in the sense that it's sort of the beating heart of WWE at times, you know, it's, it's uh, the women's division has come a really long way. And finally it feels sort of like it's institution, you know, I mean, it's, it's the, it's, it, you know, there, there's, you don't have to make a big deal anymore about a women's match headlining a big show or, you know, we're being the biggest matches on, on night one of WrestleMania, even night two. I mean, it's, they, they've already done it and, and it's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just really great to watch. So David, you mentioned a little, a little earlier of the two nights of WrestleMania. Uh, we mm-hmm. hosted in 2016, set a record. So, uh, you know, this was a bold move, I think, uh, for, for two nights, um, here coming up this week. What do you think of that? Do you think, uh, WWE made the right, made the right call? 
Well, you know, if you ask WWE or, you know, with off the record, somebody there might say that, that, you know, the fans will never be happy that when it was one night, they wanted two, and now it's two nights. They think it should be one. And by the way, I totally co-signed that sentiment because I myself was the one was loudly clamoring for WrestleMania to be two nights when it was one night. And now that it's two nights, I'm like, yeah, it's kind of a lot, you know? <laughs> I mean, I think that there's, I think that there's some logistical issues that are just sort of hard to, to, to deal with. It's like, when you have so many matches that are, up in the air, right? We don't know if Stone Cold Steve Austin is going to wrestle or just talk. We don't know if Vince McMahon's going to get involved in a match. You know, all this stuff. And that's how wrestling works. You kind of, it's it's hard to know exactly what you're buying your ticket for, right? And especially if you have a kid and her two favorite wrestlers are, you know, Becky Lynch and Roman Reigns, well, then how do you pick which night to go to? You know, I mean, that, that there's that, those things are pretty, you know, th- those are basic issues with it being two nights. I mean, also when you have a stadium the size of AT&T stadium and, 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 you know, two nights and no, before you have any matches on the card, well, that's a lot of matches to make. That's a lot of space to fill, you know? And so there, there are some issues like that to make two nights to feel like that big of a deal because, you know, the tickets aren't cheap. Um, But when it, when it's one night, when it used to be one night and it was six hours long, I mean, everybody in the arena was like, I would happily pay for a second ticket to not have to sit through this whole thing. (laughs) Right. So, um, and it's, and, and, and the thing, the real thing is that WrestleMania, WrestleMania has become WrestleMania weekend has become WrestleMania week. And fans like me would go out, would go to Dallas and, you know, I'm going to go to 10 things between Wednesday, between Thursday and, and, you know, Monday night. And 10 things would be conservative. And, you know, WWE is sort of like leaving money on the table to not be taking up more of that space. Now, they did have the NXT show on Saturday traditionally and the Hall of Fame and all this kind of other stuff. But, you know, people are flying in. They want to see wrestling all weekend long. It makes a lot of sense for them to, you know, to to have a two-night WrestleMania from that perspective. And icing on the cake you know, every single year, Vince McMahon wants to set a new attendance record somewhere. So, you know, he already set the attendance record probably at AT AT&T Stadium. Now he can say he did it two nights in a row. That sounds good to me. I tell you, Um, you mentioned WrestleMania week. We're definitely kicked off here uh, in Dallas. A lot of community initiatives going on. Uh, It's a a UNICEF event, uh, be a star rally, Uh, just a lot of positive things that WWE does in the community. And I, I think that a lot of times people who don't follow WWE don't necessarily understand how huge their brand is and all that they do uh, within the communities that they go to. How would you describe the power of the WWE brand to those who are maybe uninitiated and unaware? Uh, I mean, it's when you, when you really take in the whole weekend, everything they're doing, all these different, you know, charity events and initiatives, it's, 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 it's pretty impressive. I mean, listen, one thing you see with uh, from WWE when you get a little peek on the inside is that as like well-oiled a machine they are in terms of making wrestling shows every week, they're even more impressive a well-oiled machine with in just about everything else that they do. I mean, their their office, their staff, it's just like it's unbelievable how uh, how involved and how just you know positive and and functional everything is back there, um, which probably comes as a surprise to some people. But yeah, I mean, listen, when they, they come to WrestleMania weekend and they'll take over the town and they'll do all sorts of different things. And I think that uh, all the things that you mentioned are great, perfect examples of that. You know, it's 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 um, like I said, it used to be kind of a two night affair, a one and a half night affair, be Sunday night WrestleMania. And then, you know, they do Raw on Monday night. Maybe they'd have some sort of something going on on Saturday, some sort of charity event. But now it's 
they come in and just take over the town and in a bunch of different good ways uh, every year. And, and, you know, it's a lot of fun to be a part of. So we have a pretty, uh, a good audience of sports fans here on the mic drop. Sully and I are definitely WWE fans. What would you tell our listeners to get them out to WrestleMania this Saturday and Sunday, or at least, uh, you know, watch it on Peacock, uh, possibly come visit you at Access, hit the Hall of Fame and SmackDown, maybe at the American Airlines Center. What would you tell those <laughs> listeners who've never been to, to get them out there? Well, I mean, if you've never been, I mean, listen, there's, I'm sure a lot of people listening to this have been to see a Cowboys game, right? Well, I mean, just imagine if all of the the field, all the sidelines where the where the you know players are usually standing are now like folding chairs, and so there's just like that many more people in the arena. It's absolutely crazy. Just if the the first time I I did. I did a WrestleMania for work. It was down at the Dolphin Stadium in Miami. And I snu- I like ran in at the last minute and got to my seat. It was like right where, you know, on the edge of the field, basically, or not, you know, the, where, where the risers would have normally just begun for a football game. And the crowd started screaming and I thought I was going to die. Like I, it felt like being in the middle of a like world war Z stampede, you know, is absolutely nuts. It's a, it's a crazy experience just to be there and to be part of a crowd. That's not just cheering and booing when the, you know, uh, when your team scores a touchdown, but is organically involved every minute, you're going to be part of this. It's it's like a wave that never stops. It's a really incredible experience, but that's just the fans perspective. The stuff that's going on in the ring is going to be really cool too. I mean, I, I, I think it, I'd be hard pressed to point it, you know, I mean, there's, there's a variety of things, right? It's not just Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar, which is going to be just a really fun clash of the Titans, but also is going to be, you know, Johnny Knoxville from Jackass is going to be out there wrestling against Sami Zayn. That's going to be hilarious, whatever they pull off with that, you know? And um, like I said, both the women's matches are going to be really big. Uh, we don't even know what Seth Rollins is doing, but uh, I think, you know, uh, if rumors are true, I think that's going to be a really fun surprise at WrestleMania too. Apparently he's going to find out his opponent on the way to the ring. Um, and, and, you know, there's just, they always manage to pull in all these different sorts of matches for WrestleMania, um, that, that make it feel like a real sort of like variety show and, you know, to watch it, it's, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, to be there in the crowd watching these things, it's always fun. It's, you've got to do it once in your life. Yeah. And the, uh, the bad bunny celebrity, uh, appearance last year, he was pretty proficient in the ring. We'll see what, uh, what, uh, what Johnny Knoxville can do this year, but you're right. There's, there's always surprises. Last one, we'll get you out of here, uh, David. The and again, I'm thinking of our sports fan audience. Fans in in WWE have so much power, you know, the, <laughs> to to in the in the pro wrestling parlance to you know to to get someone over. It's in the hands of the fans. Now you can occasionally the fans can get a coach fired or get the backup quarterback on the field, maybe through their clamoring on social media and talk radio, but. But don't you think that it's that is another thing that's unique about WWE is that Vince McMahon and Stephanie and Triple H listen to the fans and sort of act accordingly, at least in at least much of the time. Yeah, I mean, listen, if you're a diehard fan, the kind of people that, you know, listen to my podcast and stuff, you'll I mean, there's a you probably might take exception to the fact that WWE really listens. Right. Because we'll be clamoring for stuff every night, Monday night, raw people are booing and cheering and don't get exactly what we want. Well, of course the fans get mad, but what you're saying is absolutely right. And by the way, my new podcast, uh, the book of wrestling, which is going to the first episode next week is going to be very much about what you're talking about dating back to the attitude era. Um, yeah. I mean, at a very basic level, 
it's interactive, right? A good guy isn't a good guy unless he's getting cheered, just by definition. A bad guy isn't a bad guy unless he's getting booed. And they're trying to get you to boo them and cheer them according to what they have planned. But man, if a bad guy starts getting cheered, this happened to Jake the Snake Roberts back in the day. He was supposed to be in a big, he's supposed to be the villain against Hulk Hogan and the fans kept cheering Jake the Snake and they had to just cancel it. Jake the Snake's still mad about it because he didn't get that big payday, but he was too popular to be a bad guy, right? So at a very basic level, the fan reaction has to like in like is is integral to the storyline and and now of course it's evolved the fans know their power and it's really cool because fans can boo and cheer to try to like get their way it's almost like an interactive like it's a vr experience you know um but it's it's just really really fun i mean it's it, listen we chant we say you know uh you know holy shit when there's a big move and the, the whole everybody in the in the in the crowd is chanting the exact same thing it's 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 really cool and really interactive you're right uh and but to to watch it on a big stage like wrestlemania it's just sort of overwhelming it's 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 a really cool thing to see and i mean even just thinking about the main event like you mentioned this earlier if for whatever reason they tell a story in the ring in such a way that gets you behind Roman Reigns, if he seems like he's overcoming the odds, if Brock Lesnar does something to, to, to lose our respect, all of this can change in real time. Right. And by the end of the match, we might be cheering Roman Reigns and booing Brock Lesnar. And it's that sort of kind of emotional twist that really makes wrestling something special. David, thanks so much for your time today. I, I couldn't agree more. I've been, privileged, fortunate to get to go to just about every big sporting event there is, except World Cup. And Monica is working on that for North Texas in 2026. And there is one of my favorite things is when a WWE crowd gets into the, this is awesome mm -hmm. in the middle of a match. And, and this was awesome to have having you on. So best of luck with the Book of Wrestling podcast, everybody. There's nobody more fun to listen to uh, talk about, about WWE and pro wrestling than David Shoemaker. So Thanks again so much. And maybe we'll see you around town this uh, this week. I'm flying in tonight, so I'll see you guys soon, I'm sure. All right. Thanks again. And now over to Rachel with a word from one of our sponsors. Did you know the Dallas Zoo provides guests with real-life opportunities to make memorable connections with more than 2,000 animals? Please support the zoo's mission to inspire and empower action on behalf of the wildlife in Texas and around the world. Visit DallasZoo.com to purchase your tickets today. Thanks, Rachel. And now we are excited to continue our discussion of WrestleMania 38 coming up this weekend, April 1st and 2nd at AT&T Stadium with Joey Hayden, the sports digital producer with the Morning News since 2015. He helps cover the Cowboys, Rangers, Mavs, Stars, local colleges, high schools, you name it. But he is the Morning News resident pro wrestling scribe and expert. So, Joey, welcome to the mic drop. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, so what do you? Uh, we had a great conversation with Shoemaker. He's wound up. Uh, what What are you most excited about this weekend out at AT and T Stadium? It's tough to say. Even AT and T Stadium specifically, we got events all weekend. American Airlines Center, SmackDown, Undertaker's going into the Hall of Fame, NXT Stand and Deliver Saturday afternoon before we even get to WrestleMania at AT and T Stadium. But if you're asking WrestleMania specifically, I mean Brock and Roman. That's the storyline WWE's been pushing to for years now this is a match people have been waiting on but for me personally just being the wrestling fan that i am and how long i've been in the game uh edge versus aj styles two guys who've had decades long careers and have just been two ships passing in the night and never met until now and so that that's the match of the weekend i'm most excited for 
So, Joey, I'm going to ask you the same question I asked David Shoemaker. Uh, give us your uh, top reasons why Dallas sports fans should should care about WrestleMania 38 this weekend, and maybe even those fans who aren't WWE fans or have never experienced it. I mean, the top reason is it's just fun. If you've never been to a wrestling event and one of your friends has an extra, extra ticket and it's like, do you want to go? Take the shot at going to WrestleMania, especially with it being two days now. Once you get there and you're in a stadium with 100,000 people, it's it's going to be an unreal atmosphere. Uh, atmosphere. It was an unreal atmosphere in 2016 when The Rock's music hit and 100,000 people simultaneously lost their minds. If you've never seen a wrestling show before, you can go to WrestleMania and get a pretty clear picture of, oh, I, I see why people get into this. So you mentioned uh, a, a big uh, match that we have coming up, Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns. What's uh, your prediction there? Who's how's that going to end? It's 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 interesting. Personally, I don't think Brock Lesnar has ever been any better, character-wise, entering-wise, entertainment-wise. Cowboy Brock is a phenomenal version of Brock Lesnar, and he was pretty good to start out with. But for the sake of the company and what Roman Reigns has done and the character he's built himself into. I don't see anyone coming out of WrestleMania with both championships other than Roman Reigns, because Roman Reigns is the next guy for WWE and for the future of the company. Roman Reigns needs to come out on top, walk into American Airlines center on a Monday night raw with both titles. How about on the women's side, Joey, you think Becky Lynch or Bianca Belair will take that one. And what about the Ronda Rousey, uh, Charlotte uh, match, two two big ones on the women's side. Now, Becky and Bianca is the match on the women's side that they've had. They have an entire six months of storytelling behind. In this case, Becky hasn't lost the title in what, three years? She only lost the title because she wanted to go play mom and had a kid and came back and won it right away in 26 seconds at SummerSlam over Bianca Belair. So just for the storytelling sake, if I had to pick, I think it's Bianca's time again at Mania. But again, who knows? Becky Lynch is Becky Lynch, and she's one of the best in the game on the women's side right now. But it, it, I have a hard time not seeing Bianca taking that one after what happened at SummerSlam. And for Charlotte and Rousey, that's another interesting one, too. It's kind of a similar situation to Brock and Roman. Charlotte is one of the standard bearers of WWE, but they don't bring Ronda Rousey back for no reason. When Ronda Rousey came around the first time, she won the champ, won the raw women's championship, had the title for a while, stuck around for a while. And she also just had a kid. She didn't come back for no reason. So we might see two new champions in the women's division come the weekend. Yeah. I hope you're wrong about, about that. I'm a big Charlotte guy. I'm pulling for her all the way. And, uh, and I'm also an AJ Styles fan. He's one of my favorite guys, along with Drew McIntyre on the men's side. So I hope uh, AJ takes down uh, Edge in, 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 in that one. The, uh, the, you know, the, there'll be a lot of surprises. Uh, Johnny Knoxville, we talked about with Shoemaker. On the, you know, you never know what celebrity surprise there might be. You think they've got anything up their sleeve that we're not, uh, you know, we don't know exactly what's going to happen with Cody Rhodes and his potential return. You think there's any surprises uh up Vince McMahon's sleeve. I mean, there's always surprises, but speaking of Johnny Knoxville, I just posted my own interview with Johnny Knoxville yesterday on DallasNews.com. If you guys want to go check that out. But uh, as far as surprises are concerned, you, the wrestling world wants it to be Cody so bad. 
and I'm afraid what's going to happen if it's not Cody, if, if, if Seth's standing in the ring and then here comes the money, Shane McMahon's music hits, or if Goldberg's music hits, or if even if John Cena's music hits, like, I don't know what the, the internet reaction is. It's going to be toxic either way. It just is. That's how the wrestling internet community works. That's just how it is. But if it's not Cody at WrestleMania, I'm not sure what card they're going to try to pull. Yeah. And what Joey's talking about is Seth Rollins that did not have a match. Uh, Mr. McMahon gave him one, but it was against an opponent of McMahon's choosing who Seth would not know about until he was already in the ring. So lots, lots of surprises. All right, Joey, this is the portion of the mic drop where we ask our media guests to recommend a download or, or something you're streaming. It could be music, podcast, book, TV, uh, movie, you, you name it. What, uh, what do you got for us uh, this week? Uh, if we want to go, if we want to stick with WrestleMania, I am a big Pat McAfee guy. I am a, I, I watched that show or at least have it streaming in the background most every day. If you haven't checked that out, it is a very distinct audience that watches the Pat McAfee show. I'm very well aware of that. And I definitely fall in that audience, but that would be a daily sort of podcast thing. As far as shows or movies go, I just saw the Batman recently. I'm a big Batman guy. I was hesitant when Robert Pattinson was going to be Batman, but I, I was very, I, I very much liked what came out of that movie and I would recommend it. If you're, if you're a Batman fan yourself. All right. Two good ones. Uh, Monica, what do you have for us this week? Well, I went out, uh, out of my norm, uh, a little bit on a friend's recommendation and I've just started it. So I can't really even, you know, give a, uh, idea of if I'm liking it or not, but the Andy Warhol Diaries on Netflix is what I've uh, just started, Sully. I can't say that. See in a second. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Joey, what'll happen though now, Monica will report back oh, whether yeah. she liked it or not. And she has a good track record. You know, she got me into inventing Anna and a few, oh, uh, this, 1883, a few other shows. This one's not so, my norm, uh, Sully, in terms of what I would pick. So, but this came as a friend's recommendation. So I'm going to give it a shot. Well, we look forward to uh, to, to getting the verdict from you, whether or not the, the rest of us ought to check it out. Marcus, what are you watching or listening to or streaming or video gaming these days? Well, we have the final four from the women's and men's side um, this next uh, stretch of days. So I'm super excited about that. I'll be at WrestleMania Saturday and uh, Sunday night. So my first WrestleMania experience. So hopefully what Joey and David have said, I will uh, I'll be able to experience and maybe I'll become a fan. Um, in other other news, I am on the countdown for the return of Ozark Part 2. Uh, April 29th, I watched the trailer last night, and I'm super excited, and now I'm just counting down the days. Yeah, good call on that. That's a good one to flag. We're all Ozark fans uh, here on the mic drop. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to repurpose a, a recommendation, the movie Coda, which, uh, which I got from Craig Miller of The Ticket. Uh, I recommended it a month or so ago here on the mic drop, and of course it won the, the Academy Award for Best Motion Picture uh, last weekend. An incredible story. Uh, you know, it, stop what you're doing and go stream this on Apple TV Plus, I believe is where it is. It is awesome and it'll lift your spirits, which is always a, a good thing. So, uh, Joey, thanks for, for some time today. How did, how did you get into, uh, uh, you say you've been a fan for a long time. How did you get into wrestling as a fan uh, initially? 
Uh, well, when I was a kid, my parents didn't necessarily let me watch it, but I was aware of Stone Cold Steve Austin. I was aware of The Rock back in the day, uh, Doctor of Thugonomics, John Cena back in those days. I was aware that they existed. And then it kind of just in high school, I started watching it kind of on my own. It was it was basically right after WrestleMania 23, because I remember basically watching for an entire year. And then eventually WrestleMania 24 happened. And Edge being one of my guys, one of the matches I'm most excited for. He was one of the guys I gravitated towards at the beginning. And WrestleMania 24, Edge was the main event against The Undertaker for the World Heavyweight Championship. So that that's about the time when I started. And I've been in there every Monday, every Friday, every pay-per-view since. Yeah, you mentioned Stone Cold. He's got a role to play. We're not sure what it is this weekend at AT&T Stadium with Kevin Owens. So we're watching that storyline uh, as well. I don't know how likely it is he gets back in the ring, but you, you never know. So, Joey, thanks uh, for, for, for joining us. We're all excited about WrestleMania. Uh, on behalf of Monica Paul and the Dallas Sports Commission, thanks to our guests, Peter Davis, David Shoemaker, and Joey Hayden. Thanks to the Mic Drop production team, Danielle Whitelaw-Piscura, Angela Lang, Marcus Carr, and Reeves Eddins of Tony Fay PR. Thanks to Ren and Jay at Vocal Media, our showrunner, Tony Fay. And until next time, thanks for listening, everybody.